Our Old Testament scripture passage this evening is Leviticus chapter 23, Pew Bible page 191. Turn your Bibles to page 191, Leviticus chapter 23. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, these are my appointed feasts, the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You're not to do do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. These are the Lord's appointed feasts, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. The Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day of that month, the Lord's Feast of Unleavened Bread begins. For seven days you must eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. For seven days, present an offering made to the Lord by a fire. And on the seventh day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I am going to give you and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. On the day you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice as a burnt offering to the Lord a lamb, a year old without defect, together with its grain offering of two-tenths of an ephah, a fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made to the Lord by fire, a pleasing aroma. And its drink offering of a quarter of a hen of wine. You must not eat any bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your God. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheep of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath. And then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves made of two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour, baked with yeast as a wave offering of first fruits to the Lord. Present with this bread seven male lambs, each a year old and without defect, one young bull and two rams. They'll be a burnt offering to the Lord, together with their grain offerings and drink offerings, an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Then sacrifice one male goat for a sin offering and two lambs, each a year old, for a fellowship offering. The priest is to wave the two lambs before the Lord as a wave offering, together with the bread of the first fruits. They are a sacred offering to the Lord for the priests. On that same day, you are to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field, or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites on the first day of the seventh month, you're to have a day of rest, a sacred assembly commemorating with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present an offering made to the Lord by fire. The Lord said to Moses, the tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. Do not work on that day because it is the day of atonement when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. Anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off from his people. 
I will destroy from among his people anyone who does any work on that day. You shall do no work at all. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come, wherever you live. It's a Sabbath of rest for you, and you must deny yourselves. From the evening of the ninth day of the month until the following evening, you are to observe your Sabbath. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, on the fifteenth day of the seventeenth month, The Lord's, excuse me, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, on the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's Feast of Tabernacles begins, and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly, do no regular work. For seven days, present offerings made to the Lord by fire, and on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. It is a closing assembly, do no regular work. These are the Lord's appointed feasts, which are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing offerings made to the Lord by fire. The burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbaths, and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have valid and all the freewill offerings you give to the Lord. So beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, after you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of rest, and the eighth day also is a day of rest. On the first day, you are to take choice fruit from the trees and palm fronds, leafy branches and poplars, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. Live in booths for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in booths. So your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in booths when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses announced to Israelites the appointed feasts of the Lord. Turning now to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 through 34, Pew Bible page 1784. Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. And the following directions I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, you should eat at home. So that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May he bless to the hands, hearts, and minds 
of his people. We're looking at Article 35 in the Belgic Confession. It can be found on the back of your green Psalter hymnals on page 87. Article 35. Entitled, The Holy Supper of Our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the teaching of our confession. We believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that our Savior Jesus Christ did ordain and institute the sacrament of the Holy Supper to nourish and support those whom he has already regenerated and incorporated into his family, which is his church. Now those who are regenerated have in them a twofold life, the one corporal and temporal, which they have from the first birth, from, from the first birth and is common to all men, the other spiritual and heavenly, which is given them in their second birth, which is affected by the word of the gospel and the communion of the body of Christ. And this life is not common, but is peculiar to God's elect. In like manner, God has given us for the support of the bodily and earthly life, earthly and common bread, which is subservient thereto and is common to all men, even as life itself. But for the support of the spiritual and heavenly life, which believers have, he has sent the living bread, which descended from heaven, namely Jesus Christ who nourishes and strengthens the spiritual life of believers when they eat him, that is to say, when they appropriate and receive him by faith in the Spirit. In order that he might represent unto us the spiritual and heavenly bread, Christ has instituted an earthly and visible bread as a sacrament of his body, and wine as a sacrament of his blood, to testify by them unto us that, as certainly as we receive and hold this sacrament in our hands, and eat and drink the same with our mouths, by which our life is afterwards nourished, we also do as certainly receive by faith, which is the hand and mouth of our soul, the true body and blood of Christ, our only Savior in our souls, for the support of our spiritual life. Now, as it is certain and beyond all doubt that Jesus Christ has not enjoined to us the use of his sacraments in vain, so he works in us all that he represents to us by these holy signs, though the manner surpasses our understanding and cannot be comprehended by us as the operations of the Holy Spirit are <laughs> hidden and incomprehensible. In the meantime, we err not when we say that what is eaten and drunk by us is the proper and natural body and the proper blood of Christ. But the manner of our partaking of the same is not by the mouth, but by the Spirit through faith. Thus then, though Christ always sits at the right hand of his Father in the heavens, yet does he not therefore cease to make us partakers of himself by faith. This feast is a spiritual table at which Christ communicates himself with all his benefits to us, and gives us there to enjoy both himself and the merits of his sufferings and death, nourishing, strengthening, and comforting our poor, comfortless souls by the eating of his flesh, quickening and refreshing them by the drinking of his blood. Further, though the sacraments are connected with the thing signified, nevertheless, both are not received by all men. The ungodly indeed receives this sacrament to his condemnation, but he does not receive the truth of the sacrament. Even as Judas and Simon the sorcerer both indeed received the sacrament, but not Christ, who was signified by it, of whom believers only are made partakers. Lastly, we receive this holy sacrament in the assembly of the people of God, with humility and reverence, keeping up among us a holy remembrance of the death of Christ our Savior, with thanksgiving, making their confession of our faith and of the Christian religion. Therefore, no one ought to come to this table without having previously rightly examined himself, lest by eating of this bread and drinking of this cup, he eats and drink judgment to himself. In a word, we are moved by the use of this holy sacrament to a fervent love towards God and our neighbor. Therefore, we reject all mixtures and damnable inventions which men have added unto and blended with the sacraments 
as profanations of them, and affirm that we ought to rest satisfied with the ordinance which Christ and his apostles have taught us, and that we must speak of them in the same manner as they have spoken. And that is Article 35 of the Belgic Confession, the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21, Paul speaks of the table of the Lord. And when we hear that table of the Lord, we should understand that what's happening at the Lord's Supper is that we are being hosted by Jesus. And Roman Catholicism, the bread itself, is effectively the host because it hosts the physical presence of Christ. But in the New Testament, it is not the bread that is the host of Jesus, but Jesus who is the host of us. So the host is not on the table, but at the table. It is, after all, the Lord's table. For Jesus is present by the Holy Spirit, and he invites us to eat with him as an act of friendship and a sign of love. The people who serve are simply Jesus' way of getting the bread from the table into our hands. I find this really helpful way to think about what's taking place when the plate or the bread is put in your hands. Maybe you think quietly to yourself, Jesus himself is giving me this bread. He is the host of this meal. This is his gift. This is a sign of his love. This is his embrace. Using the hands of the person serving you, Christ passes the bread and wine to you because he wants to have communion with you. He wants to reassure you of his love. He offers you an invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's what the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ is all about. And so tonight we're going to talk about that. The table hosted by our Lord. Our theme tonight. We receive... In the Lord's Supper, nothing short nothing less than the crucified body and blood. Of our Savior Jesus Christ. We have three points tonight. I had four, but I'm scrapping the last one because it's just about the rejections at the end, which I think is, we can just skip over. Because it's not really a specific explanation of the rejections. The teaching of the, the actual article it holds within it the, the, the rejections of the errors that were happening at the time. Guido Debris wrote the confession, but also in our day and age. So the first point is instituted for us. The second point is receiving Christ. And the third point is, this is a spiritual meal. Let's begin with that first point, instituted for us. Now, the reason why I chose to read that chapter in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 23, 
is because it talks about all the instituted feasts uh, that God gave to the people of Israel. And if you read that, you'll read about the, the Feast of the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You'll read about the Feast of Weeks. You'll read about the, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Day of Atonement. Um, these are all things that culminate in, um, in the institution of the last um, feast that God has given to us in the Lord's Supper. If you uh, know right... Matthew chapter 26, um, and of course in the other gospel accounts as well, we read of the institution of the Lord's Supper. This is when the Lord took uh, the Passover feast, that's talked about an institute in Leviticus 23, and says, I am the fulfillment of that. I am the fulfillment of the sacrificial lamb. I am the fulfillment of all the feasts. Of the Old Testament, so you read Leviticus chapter 23, you read all those feasts um, and what they were supposed to do, and they're all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus says these words to his disciples on the night before he's about to be betrayed. He says, This, uh, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Um, this is then picked up by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where Paul reiterates these institution words. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Uh, what I mean by saying that is that there is a command. There is an institution, an instituted Lord's Supper. This is not something that we simply come up with as a neat idea to memorialize something. This is uh, instituted. But why? Why is this commanded? Why is this given to us? Well, it's instituted for us. Um, this is what we read in the Belgic Confession. Now, we believe and confess that our Savior Jesus Christ did ordain and institute the sacrament of the Holy Supper to nourish and support. To nourish and support those whom he has already regenerated and incorporated into his family, which is the church. You notice right off the bat that Article 35 of the Belgic Confession of Faith um, does not hold to pedo communion, which has become a customary practice in our day and age. It's something that is actually allowed in the Christian Reformed Church um, to occur, and um, there is a big distinction um, that the Belgian Confession makes between those who have a living faith who are supposed to participate in the Lord's Supper um, and those who, who do not. Um, the Belgian Confession is pretty clear that those who should be participating in the Lord's Supper are those who are regenerated and incorporated into his family, not simply incorporated uh, through, through baptism. 
And then um, the Belgian Confession of Faith goes great lengths to explain something that it calls the twofold life. The twofold life is simply the uh, physical and spiritual components. Now, um, I don't think that we should misunderstand the Belgian Confession of Faith here as being dualistic, as to say that uh, the physical and the spiritual are completely and totally dis, uh, disconnected from each other. Um, but uh, it's talking about how this is instituted for us, uh, not necessarily for our physical life, that is, for our nourishment. Um, and it makes sense that uh, we, we would understand that, but back in the day when this was practiced, it was often simply a meal. It was a meal. And part of that meal included bread and wine. And when the bread and wine was eaten, this uh, Lord's Supper was participated in. Now we just get these little tiny prepackaged cups that nobody really thinks you could live off of. Um, this is instituted for us for our spiritual well-being, our spiritual life, okay? And so it says, we have a twofold life, corporal, temporal which they have from the first birth, first birth, and is common to all men. The other, spiritual and heavenly, which is given from their second birth, affected by the word of the gospel and the communion of the body of Christ. This life is not common, but is peculiar to God's elect. We all share in the corporal, temporal life, the physical life. Uh, we do not all share in the spiritual, heavenly life. Uh, that is something that is special and peculiar to God's elect. And that heavenly, spiritual life is what we are being nourished in when we participate in the Lord's Supper. God has given us for the support of the bodily and earthly life, earthly and common bread. Subservient thereto, common to all men, even as life itself. Every meal should include bread. Do you agree with me? I mean, what's the best part about going to a restaurant? They bring out the free bread, right? Outback's got good bread. Texas Roadhouse. Tell me about those rolls, okay? That's common to us all. We all get the bread, right? But for the support of the spiritual and heavenly life, which believers have, he sent a living bread. A living bread. This is a, a largely polling from John chapter 6. Um, namely, descended from heaven, namely Jesus Christ, who nourishes and strengthens the spiritual life of believers when they eat him, that is to say, when they appropriate and receive him by faith in the Spirit. Now, when the Belgian Confession draws from John chapter 6 and says the bread that we have been given, the heavenly bread that is meant to nourish not our physical, corporal, temporal life, but our spiritual, heavenly life, is Jesus Christ himself, it's not talking about the bread that we eat when we participate in the Lord's Supper. Not yet. This bread that you participate in, you should take every day of your life. The heavenly bread of Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says. For the support of the spiritual and heavenly life, which believers have, God has sent a living bread which came down from heaven, Jesus Christ, who nourishes and strengthens the spiritual life of believers when we eat him. That is to say, when we appropriate and receive Jesus by faith in the Spirit. 
That's the Christian life. Appropriating and receiving Jesus by faith in the Spirit. That is an every moment, every day Christian life thing. So, I feel appropriate in saying it this way because Jesus himself said it this way. Are you eating Jesus? People were shocked when he said that to them too in John chapter 6. But when I say, when they eat him, as the Belgic Confession of Faith says, that is to say, when they appropriate and receive him by faith in the Spirit. Are you doing that? That's why the supper was instituted for us, for the nourishment of our spiritual heavenly life, okay? We got a second point. What do we receive in the supper? Well, the Belgian Confession of Faith is going to make one point. You receive Christ. You receive Christ. In order that he might represent unto us the spiritual and heavenly bread, Christ has instituted an earthly invisible bread as a sacrament of his body. So we've got the bread. And because it's shorter, I'm just going to put, we got the wine, okay? And wine as a sacrament of his blood. The bread represents the body. The wine, his blood. To testify by them unto us that as certainly as we receive and hold this sacrament in our hands and eat and drink the same with our mouths by which our life is afterwards nourished, we also do as certainly receive by faith, which is the hand and mouth of our soul, the true body and blood of Christ, our only Savior in our souls, for the support of our spiritual life. When you eat and drink the elements of the Lord's Supper. They are a physical representation to you of the spiritually, spiritual reality of appropriating Christ by faith. And so when you participate by eating the bread, you're saying, this is Christ's body. He died on the cross for me. He put on flesh so that he could have my sin poured out on him. When you drink of the cup, you think to yourself, this is drinking, but this is the blood of Jesus Christ, my Savior, that was shed, poured out for the forgiveness of my sins. And you believe. You believe. And when you believe, faith is the hand and mouth of your soul. By faith, you eat. By faith, you drink. The true body and blood of Christ, our only Savior, is taken into our souls for the support of our spiritual life. Um, and there's a couple things that the Belgian Confession of Faith wants to make clear to us. It's certain beyond all doubt that Jesus Christ has not enjoined us to the use of his sacraments in vain. Um, do we think that the Lord's Supper is useless? It does not accomplish anything. Um, there were so many in the time of Guido de Brie who swung so far the other way from the Roman Catholic view of the Lord's Supper that they simply viewed it as a, a memorial, 
There is a memorial element of the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We read, do this in remembrance of me. But is it solely a a memorial? This is the view that I was raised on, that uh, every time we took the Lord's Supper, and we did it every every Sunday, you were simply remembering what Christ had done for you. Um, Is that all that happens? And that's a, a reaction against the Roman Catholic view of transubstantiation, that even though it remains bread and wine, it actually takes on the elements of the body of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why it's called the host. That's why when Roman Catholics walk into the church in the mass and the bread and the wine is up there, there's a reverence, there's a bowing down to the host because that's Jesus. So is that, uh, is that what we believe? No, we believe that there is a spiritual presence of Christ in the supper. We believe that Christ has not commanded us to participate in the Lord's Supper for no reason. So we believe in his promises. We believe that he works in us all that he represents to us by these holy spine, signs. And and this is the way that the Belgian Confession explains it. In the same way that we can't possibly understand the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3, Jesus says the wind goes where it wants. It does what it wants. You cannot see it. You can feel it. The same is the work of the Spirit, right? Well, how exactly do these common elements, how exactly do these common elements work Faith in our spiritual lives. Nourishment in our spiritual lives. How do these common elements become for us nothing less than the crucified body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior, by faith? How does that be a means of grace in us? Well, the answer is the manner surpasses our understanding. It cannot be comprehended by us as the operations of the Holy Spirit are hidden and incomprehensible. It's a mystery. Um, But it is a glorious mystery. A wonderful mystery. It's a mystery that we must simply say, thank you, Lord, um, that you have given this to us. In the meantime, we err not when we say that what is eaten and drunk by us is the proper natural and natural body and the proper blood of Christ, but the manner of our partaking of the same, not by the mouth, by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Through faith. That is in opposition to the Roman Catholic view that um, it's not uh, partaking by the, uh, by the Spirit through faith. That it, it is literally taking, uh, partaking of the same by the mouth. All right. Thus then, though Christ always sits at the right hand of his Father in heaven, he does not therefore cease to make us partakers of himself by faith. That's who we receive in the supper as Christ himself. Uh, We are instructed to participate in the supper because we receive in that supper Christ. It's a spiritual meal. Final point.
Or the Belgian Confession of Faith said this, this feast is a spiritual table at which Christ communicates himself with all his benefits to us and gives us there to enjoy both himself and the merits of his suffering and death, nourishing, strengthening, comforting our poor, comfortless souls by the eating of his flesh, quickening and refreshing them by the drinking of his blood. Um, that would be a good thing to remember and to read over and over again um, as you consider the Lord's Supper and the gift that it is. It's a spiritual meal. It's a gift of grace. And we are given Christ in it. And we receive all these benefits in that meal, the spiritual table set by the Lord Jesus, who is the host of this table. Um, he is the one who's invited us to this meal, provided for us all that we uh, need in this meal. Um, this is not a potluck. This meal, okay? This is not a sign-up meal where we all bring something and pitch something in. This is a meal that we come to, and it is covered in all the greatest and tastiest things that you can imagine. It is filled brim to brim with the loveliest foods uh, imaginable. This is that kind of meal, and you didn't bring any of it. You were simply invited. You came. Here it is, all on the table for you. Okay? It's a spiritual table at which Christ communicates himself with all his benefits. When you read in the Belgian Confession that these are all the things that we receive, nourishing, strengthening, comforting, quickening, refreshing, these are all things that we receive from Christ. Christ communicates himself and all of his benefits to us. We enjoy in this supper himself and the merits of his sufferings and his death. We receive him in the supper, in the spiritual meal. Uh, further, though, the sacraments are connected with the thing signified. Nevertheless, both are not received by all men. The ungodly indeed receive the sacrament to his con in condemnation. He does not receive the truth of the sacrament, even as Judas and Simon the sorcerer both indeed receive the sacrament, but not Christ, who is signified by it, of whom believers only are made partakers. So... Um, not everyone who participates, um, not all who take, receive. Um, it seems like an odd example to mention, um, particularly Simon the sorcerer, in this uh, article. Um, because we have no uh, biblical knowledge of Simon the sorcerer participating in the Lord's Supper, but we do know that Simon the sorcerer was baptized. Um, and then when uh, Peter came and started laying his hands on people and people were receiving the Holy Spirit, Simon the sorcerer tried to pay Peter to have that power. Can I have that power? Um, nonetheless, we would all agree that uh, even though Peter condemned him and basically said, you need to repent and turn away from this way of thinking, um, if Simon the sorcerer did repent um, of that wrong thinking and Simon the sorcerer uh, turned away, um, from, from that, he wouldn't have to be rebaptized again. But we do know that Judas Iscariot participated in that first uh, Lord's Supper, the institution of the Lord's Supper. Um, but he did not receive in that Christ himself um, because the Satan entered him and he went off to, um, to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. We receive this holy sacrament in the assembly of the people of God, 
with humility and reverence, keeping up among us a holy remembrance of the death of Christ our Savior, with thanksgiving, making their confession of our faith and of the Christian religion. Therefore, no one ought to come to this table without having previously rightly examined himself, lest by eating of this bread and drinking of this cup he eat and drink judgment to himself. This is, of course, coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Here in the Belgian Confession of Faith, it's simply describing for us the way that, um, in, in, in very basic terms, that the Lord's Supper, Supper should be participated in. You do it, uh, the, the, the correct and appropriate place for participating in the Lord's Supper is in the assembly of God. The correct attitude and perspective is with humility and reverence, um, keeping up among us a holy remembrance of the death of Christ our Savior, with thanksgiving, making there as we participate in a confession of our faith and of the Christian religion. Um, Therefore, there should be um, a, a weightiness to participating in the Lord's Supper. Um, no one ought to come to this table without having previously rightly examined himself. First Corinthians chapter 11, Paul speaks of the abuse of the Lord's Supper that was happening in the church of Corinth. And there, um, people were, um, were falling sick, um, being, uh, falling asleep, dying because of their mistreatment of the Lord's Supper, because they were not rightly examining themselves, because they were not... Um, uh, looking at the body of Christ in a proper way. So, um, that's why often in our practice here, in our church is to have a, uh, a preparatory where we remind everyone that we are going to be participating in the Lord's Supper in the upcoming week and that to uh, examine yourself. And this examination is not meant to be something that... Um, deters us from coming to the Lord's Supper. It's not meant to be something that makes us think, well, only the good Christians can come to the Lord's Supper. Um, it's mainly to make sure that we are uh, in line with what the Belgic Confession of Faith says, that we have a humility and a reverence, um, that we have a holy remembrance of the death of Christ our Savior, that we have within our hearts thanksgiving for what he has done, uh, that we know that when we participate in it, we're making confession of our faith. Um, we're saying that we belong to the Christian religion. And we are saying and making sure that there are no uh, hidden sins in our life um, that um, we're living in, in, in that sort of lifestyle. And just to remind you then, uh, finally, that uh, the Belgian Confession of Faith is not making a distinction, uh, a bifurcation, uh, a dichotomy between the twofold life of the physical and the spiritual life. Um, it says, in a word, we're moved by the use of this holy sacrament um, to love God and neighbor. And so, uh, you can tell that the Belgian Confession of Faith is saying, Scripture teaches us that the nourishment of our spiritual life should actually lead to functional deeds that we do in the world. Um, the nourishment of our spiritual life, the uplifting of our spiritual life, the encouragement of our spiritual life, uh, the building of our faith should, something, should be something that leads to works, deeds, uh, things that we're accomplishing and doing. Uh, do, you, uh, do you understand that? Do you think to yourself that when I participate in the Lord's Supper, when I, um, when I, um, when I take Jesus, appropriate Jesus by faith, um, that this should be something that leads me to love of God and neighbor. The spiritual meal um, is something 
that is meant to lead us to, to, to love of God and to love of neighbor. This is something that Paul is speaking of in, the, in his uh, instructions in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Because what is a major component of their disgrace of, of the, uh, the, the Lord's Supper was their disregard for one another. Do you ever read that? You do know that a large part of the Lord's Supper is not only that we are being lifted up, seated at, uh, with Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father spiritually. He has set a table for us. He hosts us, and we eat of him by faith, and we are nourished in our spiritual life. Um, it's not only that we participate in communion with Jesus, but it's also that we participate in communion and union with each other. We are the body of Christ, brothers and sisters. Um, and when we come uh, to the table of the Lord Jesus Christ, we do so together as one. Um, and so that's why uh, it's always kind to wait until everyone is seated before you start eating. Um, that's why most times when you go to restaurants, if they bring out somebody's food before yours... You wonder, are they going to wait till everyone else gets their food? Because we're supposed to think and consider each other um, in the Lord's Supper. It's supposed to lead us to love of God and to love of neighbor. Because in it, we receive in the Lord's Supper nothing less than the crucified body and blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you believe that when you come to the Lord's table, um, that he is there? Um, he is giving you the bread. He's giving you the cup. He's saying, this is my body. This is my blood. Do you believe that and do you know that when you participate in the Lord's Supper, he's giving you his grace, his love, his mercy. He's giving you all that you need for your life in him. And do you know that even though we only participate in the Lord's Supper once a month, here, uh, that what is physically represented for us in the Lord's Supper is something that is always available to you each and every day of your life because it's Jesus and he wants to give himself to you holy he has in his life, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, his ascension He's made himself completely available to you. He's never busy. He always has time. And he wants you to believe in him so that he can bless you, strengthen you, encourage you, and be with you. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you have given us in the Lord's Supper something that is not in vain. Uh, we thank you that Jesus in the supper works in us all that he represents to us by the holy signs. And we praise you that this working is a mystery to us. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we would be those who appropriate and receive Jesus Christ by faith in the Spirit, who eat the living bread. 
And we pray, Lord, that we would be those who honor the Lord's Supper whenever we participate in it here um, and receive in that supper all of that we need for our life in Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that you have given that gift to us. We pray we would not take it for granted, be strengthened in it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.